You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Did you hear Mikhail Gorbachev, Mr. Perestroika, dead at the age of 91, died today in Russia. And uh, Raisa, remember her? Uh, she predeceases him by a couple of years. He was the first uh, Soviet leader with a little bit of charisma. He had followed basically fossils, Brezhnev and Dropov, Chernenko, and then it was him. And he kind of took America by storm. I remember his first trip here. Uh, he was stopping all over New York, uh, meeting people. And, oh, this is a great picture, actually, with Reagan. Uh, at that point, he was the outgoing president. Uh, George W. H.W. Bush on the left there had just been elected. Um, and he and Reagan got along very well. Arms control, progress. And uh, although Reagan terrified uh, Gorbachev and the Soviet Union with SDI, the uh, Strategic Defense Initiative, also known as Star Wars, uh, they were terrified of Star Wars. They knew they could not compete. More importantly, Gorbachev himself knew they could not keep up with the economic might of the United States. Some people say Gorbachev ended the Cold War. That's not really accurate. It was Ronald Reagan who knew he could outspend the Soviet Union. Uh, nevertheless, there was a real chemistry between these two people. And Gorbachev... Folks, he dominated the news. Look at this. Uh, I think he had more Time Magazine covers than just a few people, maybe ever more. Uh, man of the Year, but not only Man of the Year. At one point, he was Man of the Decade. Man of the Decade. And he is credited as kind of opening uh, the Soviet Union, perestroika, big, big reforms. And who'd have thunk it when he became the premier that one day he'd be doing something like this? This is after he left power. But he was making money, I hope. That's Gorbachev. Gorbachev. Да благодаря ему у нас есть писахат. За Горбачева! За Горбачева! За Горбачева! Sometimes nothing brings people together like a nice hot pizza from Pizza Hut. Isn't that fascinating? The number one communist became a capitalist in a Pizza Hut commercial. Now, he's said to have been, in later years, a quiet critic of Vladimir Putin. You know, wasn't that public about it, probably <laughs> with good reason. You got to be careful over there. He actually sat down with the boss, the CEO uh, of Newsmax, Chris Ruddy. This is back in 2011, a beautiful conversation these two had. Uh, here's a portion. 
I'm simply amazed by the transformation, the energy, the new life here in Russia. When you started the process of perestroika, did you envision this transformation? We did uh, all we could in order to put an end to the totalitarian regime, to put an end to the Stalinist system. Of course, this is still not over, but we were able to give people freedom. Give people freedom. How about that? Again, Ronald Reagan, very, very instrumental in encouraging Gorbachev along that path. You know, I'm glad I actually visited the Soviet Union about three weeks before he became the, uh, the general secretary. This is very much the old Soviet Union, the KGB following us around. That place was broken and certainly not free. So Mikhail Gorbachev dead at the age of 91. More coverage on our website, Newsmax.com. Meanwhile, back here in America, <laughs> they're always wrong. This group these are mostly Republicans, people who identify as conservative, and they are almost always wrong about Trump. And really, because they always have been. They always have been. Let's go through what the swamp said. Even the conservative part of the swamp has been saying about Trump. You know what their latest thing is? Uh, you can't talk about Trump anymore. It just helps the Democrats. Well, I'm not going to play that game. I think he has a great record. It should be defended, and he has a great vision for the future, and there's nothing wrong with that. When we start listening to the swamp, taking their cues, why should we? They've always been wrong. Quick review. Number one, the swamp told us he would not run for president. No way will he actually run. Once he got in the race, they said there is no way he can win the nomination. He can't beat all these professional politicians. He can't beat Jeb Bush. Do you remember this stuff? Then when he got the nomination, they tried to take it away from him, by the way. Uh, they said he could not beat Hillary. <laughs> we know how that went. Now, before we, yes, they said he could not beat ISIS. Now, I'm going to go through some of his accomplishments. But remember, remember, the swamp, they were trying to sabotage him every step of the way. All right. With the Mueller probe and a lot of other stuff, big and small. All right. Couldn't defeat ISIS. He did. They said he could not create peace with North Korea. He did. Uh, oh, they said he could not build a wall. Granted, it's not finished, but look at that. That's a wall. Uh, what else did the swamp say? You cannot move the embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem for a lot of reasons. That was said to be very, very difficult. Trump said, I don't think so, and just did it. And it was hugely, hugely successful, very popular in Israel and here. Should have been done a long time ago. What else did he say? The swamp. The swamp said, well, he can't beat China on trade. We've been doing this for such a long time. He started to beat him on trade. How about this? You can't deregulate. Watch him. <laughs> you know, the stock market's performance uh, during those precious four years. Yeah, a lot of that was because of deregulation and the economy. Uh, how about this? Could not create uh, ooh, the vaccine. We all heard that. No way can you do the vaccine. Dr. Fauci even told us no vaccine in uh, you know, it would take three years. He did it in less than a year. Uh, I can go on and on like this. Let's see what's next. Uh, could not create Middle East peace. Have you heard of the Abraham Accords? Yeah, people should have been should have been awarded the Nobel Prize for that. OK, what else could not or would not nominate conservative judges? He turned out to be the most pro-life president ever. And also this, and possibly my favorite. Oh, he's the type of guy who's going to start a war. He's going to start a war. No, he ends wars, all right? That's one hell of a record to defend. Nothing to be ashamed of. I don't care if he turns certain people 
on the left off or certain people in the swamp. He is what he is, and it happens to be great. Whereas Joe Biden, I want to do this again, he is decrepit, he is lost, he is strange, he is losing. We all can see that. And, you know, the swamp, they're always concerned about messaging. Ooh, the messaging is an impo- it's so important what you say. Not really, actually. It's what you do in America that really, really counts. It's your lived experience, okay? And we've been experiencing Joe Biden's in America. And for a quick reminder, okay, we've lived it, we know it, but here's a way I think it works. I call it Wag Joe Chaos Biden, all right? Wag Joe Chaos Biden. It's a little mnemonic device. We did this yesterday. Quick review, if you don't mind. Are you ready? WAG stands for Woke Afghanistan and Gas Prices, all the reasons why Joe Biden has failed us, okay? How about Joe, Justice Department oppressing enemies? That's bad. That's the weaponization of the Justice Department. That's what they accused Trump of doing, but they actually did it. Chaos, okay, the C stands for crime out of control, Hunter out of control, A, an abysmal approval rating, O, obscenity, obscenely forcing children into having ridiculous, weird, inappropriate conversations about gender, even gender reassignment surgery. The supply chain for S, Biden. B is for border. We have no border. I is for inflation. It's out of control. D is for disunity. So much disunity when he promised to unify us. Energy. (laughs) We are now energy dependent, asking Saudi Arabia for their oil. And no one around the world respects us anymore because we have such a weak leader. This is a big problem. (laughs) Now, uh, back to uh, the messaging. Forget about the messaging. This is our lived experience, okay? We know this. We know this in our bones. That's what America is going through. The swamp, all they can really talk about is who's up, who's down. There's no way this guy gets to... I just don't think it's going to work out for him. Do you? This is the latest disaster. He gets all dressed up, gets on Air Force One to go to Pennsylvania today to give a big speech to support the two candidates there running for the Senate and running for governor. He gets it totally backwards in his head. He totally reverses it. He blows it. The moment of truth, he blows. Please, please elect the attorney general of the Senate. Elect that big old boy to be governor. Got it backwards. He got it backwards. The attorney general is a man named Shapiro. Okay. He is running, uh, not for the U.S. Senate, Joe. He's running for governor. All right. You got it wrong. And that big guy, that big old boy, as you call him, John Fetterman with the hoodie, uh, he's not running for governor. He's running for the U.S. Senate. Now, this is what we call a major league gaffe, all right? And up until Joe Biden, that's what the press in D.C., in all of their vapid glory, that's what they live for, catching politicians in a gaffe. Well, this one was ignored. Now, at this point, I would expect MSNBC to do that. They did, all right? Uh, What's her name? Nicole Wallace comes on. They have a panel of people, and nobody bothers to mention that he didn't endorse the right candidate for the right office. That's a big deal. But again, it's MSNBC. Go around the dial and I look at Fox. Fox News Channel. What the hell has become of them? Watch this. No mention whatsoever. Right after the speech, it's like it didn't happen. 
And here the president close to wrapping up, has indeed wrapped up uh, in Pennsylvania, addressing his push to beef up law enforcement and to say uh, that he's really not for defunding the police, never said he was. And this effort today to hire 100,000 more cops is an indication of that and much more. Uh, we got Brian Yenis with him in uh, Pennsylvania with more. Brian. Well, the president just wrapped up his speech here on crime, and in a flip of the script, he he said that he opposes defunding the FBI, which is something that Republicans have been saying since President Trump's home was raided by the FBI in Mar-a-Lago. He also said that anybody who doesn't denounce what happened on January 6th in the Capitol is not for supporting. We just heard him say that, by the way. All right, he ignores the major, the major mistake. Why would you do that? Why would Fox News do that? What's going on? Am I the only one? Um, that's pretty incredible. You got to admit, all right? <laughs> anyway. Oh, and by the way, to Neil Cavuto, who is uh, a nice guy, uh, Joe Biden has come out for defunding the police. Yes, he has. He said it out loud. You can look it up. He said it in 2020 when defunding the police was cool. He said it. That was his position. Flip flopper. All right. I'll... Here's the one moment of substance from the speech, okay? But it's not really substantive. Do you think this is going to change anything? This is an idea straight out of 1973. My plan invests in crime prevention programs that help keep young people from getting in trouble in the first place. Under my plan, communities can, one, provide after-school and summer job programs. They get paid for. More access to mental health and drug counseling. More social workers and housing to keep people off the streets instead of when they get out of when they got out of jail to get twenty five cent dollars on a bus ticket and end up under the same bridge that they're under before. Wow. Social workers, after school programs, part time. Jo- wow. This sounds like an agenda for 1974. If I ever heard one, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Then it was back to dividing America and lying. By the way, no one expects politics to be a patty cake. It sometimes gets mean as hell. But the idea you turn on the television and see senior senators and congressmen saying, if such and such happens, there'll be blood in the street. Where the hell are we? All right. Blood in the street. Why is he always telling ghost stories? Huh? Why is he always trying to scare people? Now, what he's referring to is Lindsey Graham And they used to be friends. Now he really hates Lindsey. And Lindsey Graham, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but you know what? Cut him some slack. He was just telling it like it is. This is not a threat. This is a a worry. This is a fear. And it's well-founded. Say this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. That's not calling for violence. He's worried about it, okay? Joe, you are so committed to stirring the pot, aren't you? So committed to dividing us. And, uh, yeah, I'll say it again. We boarded up stores, businesses all over the place just prior to the November 2020 election. Now, what? why were those businesses taking these precautions? They were worried that if Biden lost decisively, there would be riots in the streets, Okay. Did they want blood in the streets? No, they were worried about it. They were preparing for it. They didn't want it. And that's the same for uh, Lindsey Graham. Meanwhile, Democrats, (laughs) 
when they call for violence, it's, uh, well, <laughs> I guess because they think social justice. No, they just call for violence. They do all the time. I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go all right, and all right. take him we've, <laughs> we've seen this a million times and there's no denying it this is part of the public record you've seen it i've seen it they call for violence all the time but when they do it it's righteous i don't know we don't do it by the way and lindsey graham did not do it here's something else joe biden is going to speak on thursday night a primetime address to the nation battle for the soul of the nation yeah that's what he's when joe biden talks about soul it reminds me that I don't think he has one. When he talks like this, really, be on guard. This is, um, this is a dishonest man, and there is a major hole in his heart. Um, and I have proof, quite frankly. You've heard it. We're in the battle for the soul of this nation. Oh, that's even more true today. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. We remain in the battle right. for the soul of And it goes on like this. It goes on, on like this, journey. lecturing us about the soul of America when he lies in the very next set, uh, statement. Or he makes a promise that he has no intention or ability to fulfill. The Charlottesville thing really bothers me. His whole campaign was based on what Donald Trump said or didn't say about Charlottesville, right? That's what he told us. This is his campaign announcement back in 2019, and he was so moved. Um, here he is, lying. That's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides, very find people on both sides. In that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime. <laughs> if Joe thought it was such a threat, maybe he would have watched the entire press conference, okay? Look, uh, Donald Trump didn't say that. It's one of the biggest lies ever told. Uh, the Charlottesville lie. You know about the race riot that happened and the, the horrible stampede and the car and it was awful. But here's what Donald Trump said. He was explicit about who he was condemning. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. He's absolutely right. You can be a very fine person and totally against those Confederate flags. Totally. And you can be a very fine person and say, you know what? We have to maintain our history, even if it's unfortunate. We can't take down statues and pretend the past didn't happen. You can be a very fine person that way. He was not talking about neo-Nazis and skinheads. All right. Anyway, this is a guy, Biden, who is out to stir the pot and um, not live up to his solemn sacred promise. This is where I really worry 
about his soul, if it's there and if it is there, where it's going. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. (laughs) And he didn't lift a finger to do that. Wouldn't it have been great if he forgave the January 6th people? Hmm? That would have been unifying, but no. He goes around demonizing them throughout his presidency all the time. And even today, as recently as today, he's still at it, stirring the pot for political gain. Today, this happened. Let me say this to my MAGA Republican friends in Congress. Don't tell me you support law enforcement if you won't condemn what happened on the 6th. Don't tell me. Can't do it. For God's sake, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Look. You're either on the side of a mob or the side of the police. You can't be pro-law enforcement and pro-insurrection. You can't be a party of law and order and call the people who attacked the police on January 6th patriots. You can't do it. It's over a year and a half ago, and he's still talking about it in the most divisive way imaginable. Why is he doing that? Because he's not making good on his promise. He's violating it. That solemn pledge he made to you, me, and God, he's blowing it off. And oh, by the way, what about these people? What about the people who stampeded and marauded around this country in Black Lives Matter in 2020? He didn't condemn it. He harnessed it for political gain. His gain. His gain. All right. Next. Finally. You know, he makes that big speech today. And the political set, the swamp, you know, the Brit Humes, the uh, Kelly Wallace, whatever her name is, they watch it and they, they focus on one thing. They focus on the messaging, the words, what's emphasized, what's not emphasized, right? That's all they're really equipped to do. Take a look. This president unveiling the sharpest message we've heard from him since he was a candidate for office himself, leading the country at a time of violence around 1-6, a central message. It appears um, that message has been received and processed and delivered today. What do you think? Nicole, I was really impressed with the way the speech was written to tie um, several issues together, to be number one, explicitly pro-police. But this entire message message was about the Democrats um, supporting law enforcement and, as folks, as folks said, flipping the, the script. You see, all they can do is evaluate words. They're not equipped to do more than that. They don't know what's happening in America. They don't know what we know. It's kind of amazing how out of touch they are, the swamp. All right. So we've lived it. We've lived it. We know it. That's why I'm not worried about the midterms, quite frankly. They can worry about messaging and uh, what was said six seconds ago. But we know where we are and how we got here and who's at fault. And if we're ever at a picnic or who knows, we have a clever little mnemonic device to recall all the issues. Right. One more time. Do we remember 
WAG Joe Chaos Biden. We'll have a more detailed review in just a little bit. All right, take a look at this guy. It looks like he's one swampy FBI agent who's too swampy even for the FBI. We'll be right back. most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. Here are the headquarters of the nation's crack law enforcement agency, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. American people can well be proud of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and every citizen can profit by Director Hoover's repeated warnings. Says Director Hoover, we cherish our American institutions and our heritage of freedom. Well, most historians seem to agree that uh, J. Edgar Hoover was a whack job. <laughs> uh, the FBI building is still named for that guy. They were wiretapping everybody. <laughs> Totally in violation of the Constitution. Uh, all right. That's a long time ago. Let's uh, more recently, but still in the past, uh, in the 1970s, what did the FBI look like? National headquarters of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. An impartial investigative agency dedicated to serving the people of the United States. Its fundamental role to protect the innocent, to apprehend the guilty. This is... Your FBI. More than 19,000 men and women of the FBI are dedicated to serving the government and the people of the United States. Each decade making its own demands, the FBI's record and its reputation for law enforcement have been established over the years. Notice anything? It's actually kind of boring. <laughs> a lot of standing around, walking around. It's kind of like uh, accounting work. It's not that interesting. And that's why a lot of these agents go rogue, because they want to do stuff that they think is more interesting. Take Timothy Thebolt. Now, the word is this guy may have uh, buried the Hunter laptop. They had, he had such overt political bias that they couldn't let him stay at the FBI anymore. Um, here he is talking about what the FBI is supposed to do when it comes to uh, elections. The FBI investigates federal election crimes that generally fall into three categories, campaign finance crimes, voter ballot fraud, and civil rights violations. 
All right. This is the guy, again, who apparently was favoring uh, Hunter Biden and covering up the laptop. Reportedly, we'll see what happens. Did you hear those three things that they're supposed to be worried about? Campaign finance violation, uh, uh, civil rights uh, issues and, and voter ballot fraud. Okay, I can live with that. Sure. Those things are they got to be investigated. So why was the FBI showing up at Facebook and talking like this? The background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. Just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a very professional law enforcement. They come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something Then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was it basically fit the pattern. All right. You hear that, Timothy Tebolt? You're not supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> this guy was out of his lane if he was involved in any of this stuff. The FBI always is, by the way. Hey, remember the 90s? What were they obsessed with? Monica Lewinsky and her dress. Remember that? Huh? You know what was uh, happening while Monica Lewinsky was uh, talking to the FBI? Al-Qaeda was scoping flight schools in America, getting ready for September 11th, 2001. The FBI is always doing stuff they shouldn't, and uh, seems like they always get caught, too. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Peter Strzok texting his girlfriend, Lisa Page. Yeah. Uh, Trump's not going to win. He's not going to become president, right? No, no, no. We'll stop it. Okay. How about that um, Hillary Clinton lawyer, Michael Sussman, texting his bud over there at the FBI? Hey, I got this stuff. I'm coming on my own. Not for Hillary Clinton. I just want to help the bureau. Fine. Come in. You can let yourself in. How about that? How about Mueller? He knew that the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff, there was no collusion basically on day one, but he let it go on for 18 months to screw with Trump. And possibly worst of all, this Comey guy boasting and I think flirting with uh, Nicole Wallace at the same time about how he basically set up General Flynn. Take a look. You look at this White House now and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the state room. How did that happen? I sent them. Um, um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration. <laughs> in both of those administrations, there was process. And so if the FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official, you would work through the White House counsel, and there'd be discussions and approvals, and who would be there. And I thought it's early enough. Let's just send a couple guys over. Bragging about his power bragging about how he tried to submarine a political outsider, use the swamp, all of their rules, all of their procedures, threw them out to get Trump. What a bad, bad guy, huh? And I'm sorry, at this point, it's a bad bureau. It's a bad bureau. FBI, huh? What does it really stand for? Right now, I think it stands for Friends of Biden Incorporated. What a shame. When we come back, uh, Oliver North will be here, the legendary Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North.
conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. All All I I can can say... Is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just, just doesn't get it, do they? And the fake news more and more frequently means Fox News. Now, I am really continually appalled by how they treat President Trump, how they treat Joe Biden, kid gloves. So Biden gives a big speech in Philadelphia, all right? He made several major gaffes. We've gone through some of them earlier. And then afterwards... Their anchor and their reporter pretend that it didn't happen. They literally ignored it, yet everybody could see it. I don't see how they do this. Do they think we're dumb? Do they think we're not watching? Do they think we don't matter? Do you? I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I do know this is a trend over there. Now, during the 2020 campaign... I couldn't believe it. They had, like, for three hours every Saturday, they had this guy with the big hair on, uh, Leland Vitter, I think his name is. And um, (laughs) talk about a guy who uh, was biased. Watch how he conducted himself. He's interviewing a, a Trump spokesperson at this point. You have video from Fox News of individuals boarding up the windows again in violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th okay, Amendment on. of the Constitution. Aaron, hold on. Let me ask no, you a question. You keep saying, what, hold no, on, but you you talked more than I have, Aaron. No, Aaron, no, no, answer no, the question, and then you get to talk. The question is I this. did answer, what but do you, you want to have me happen, the first Aaron, time. What do you want to have happen with those 700,000 votes? The ballots are already mixed in. Do you just want 700,000 votes deducted from We want to make sure that conversation happens. You're supposed to be able to get a fair shake on so-called conservative media if you're a conservative. And they didn't do that, especially when it counted, especially in 2020. Now, MSNBC, of course, it's, uh, well, it's its own world, right? Woke and weird, especially on the weekends. We just ran out of time. We got a little gem for you tomorrow. But first, we got to get to Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, USMC, retired. He joins us in just a moment. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. We have listened to the wisdom in an old Russian maxim, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. Mr. General Secretary... Though my pronunciation may give you difficulty, the maxim is dovayai no provayai. Trust but verify. <laughs> right. Hey, that was pretty good Russian from Ronald Reagan. Mikhail Gorbachev got the joke, dead at the age of 91. Uh, right around that era, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North had been working in the White House. And actually, if you look behind uh, the man with the red tie, that's Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Uh, this is an impressive picture. One of the guys in the background who is actually running the world. And Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, U.S. Marine Corps, retired, joins us once again. Colonel, great to see you, sir. How are you? Great to be back with you, Greg. I, I tell you, the, the color of the hair has changed dramatically oh. since that job was taken back in the 1980s. But, you know, I, we've been, I've been hearing all day the, the, the wonderful line, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. 
And, and that is a very important line. But a far more important event occurred a year before that, in October of 1986, at what was called the Reykjavik Summit. In fact, the press, you, you, I know you're doing, talking a lot about fake news. Well, the fake news of the day was that the Reykjavik Summit had failed. And that's because Ronald Reagan said, we're going to keep building the Strategic Defense Initiative, and you can't afford to do it. And we know it. And we also knew at the time that Russia was then a dying country, even more so today under Mr. Putin. The demographics of it does not support that there being a Russia 15 years from now. In fact, it didn't support there were going to be a Soviet Union five years after this pronouncement was made. And in fact, it all disappeared in 1991. So the Soviet Union dissolved not just because of trust but verify or peace through strength, another one of Ronald Reagan's great lines. It disappeared because Gorbachev could not do what he set out to do. And that was glasnost, perestroika, the idea of openness, that you're going to somehow transform the, this communist government of a dying country into something other than a dying country. And he couldn't do it. And so despite his perhaps good intentions, we don't know what he ultimately his design would have been. But it certainly would not be to be Vladimir Putin's cause, as Putin blames Gorbachev, for what ultimately happened, because the Soviet Union dissolved under his watch. Wow. You've got it all <laughs> strategically. You understand everything. Um, and, and Reagan's well, personal... I, I, I did live through it, Greg. Exactly. Exactly. It. No, it's... But, you know, some folks, uh, they live through it. And then, you know, it's 40 years ago. I know you from, you know, I've, I've seen it firsthand. You stay on top of it every step of the way, particularly militarily. Uh, all right. So uh, Gorbachev, rest in peace. Your new book, by the way, The Giant Awakes, a Jake Cruz novel is out. We want everybody to know that. We'll come back to that in a moment. But a year ago right now, sir, uh, we were losing in Afghanistan because of uh, horrendous uh, planning and execution from the Biden administration. What are your thoughts a year later? Well, it was a travesty. I, having lived through the experience of Saigon in May of 1975, I thought there'd never be such a thing ever again. And this was even worse than Saigon. The end of, the, the end of this war was so horrifically ill-planned, unthought out, and courageously executed by those who were sent to do it. But unfortunately... All the wrong things were done by the administration from the moment they came to office, when the decision was made in July that they were going to abandon Bagram Air Base, that we we're going to use a single runway in a downtown airport in a country that's now being governed, and was by then, by the Taliban, which we still aren't calling a terrorist organization. The idea that we could have a runway covered with people trying to cling to a, a C-17 taking off, and of course, dozens of them falling off as the airplane took off. All of those things were poorly executed because of absolutely abysmal planning. And here's what's happened as a consequence. The giant has awakened, okay? That's, that's China. And the idea that Putin would ever invade Ukraine, particularly in, in, in this era of great uncertainty for his, his own country, Putin was emboldened by the disaster of Afghanistan. And we are today, I saw a talking head say over the weekend, that we're right back to where we were when we first went in, in 2011, 9-11. In fact, I went in with General Mattis's unit going in the first regular ground forces on my birthday back in, in 2001. And I look at what's happened since then, and we are worse off today than we were in 2001. 
We've been much smaller, less capable, less, far more poorly led than we've ever had before. What we've got is a disaster in the making as a consequence of what happened last year in Afghanistan. All right. We need some hope. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. Hopefully there's a there's a silver lining here. I'll, give us a moment, Colonel. Give you one. Thank you, I'll sir. Give you one. Be right Except back. Fine, this is a dangerous world that we live at risk and that this nation is at risk in a dangerous world and that they, they ought not to be led to believe as a consequence of these hearings that this nation cannot or should not conduct covert operations. Colonel North, welcome back. You mentioned how abysmal the situation is in Afghanistan, worse than before 9-11. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Well, here's the good news. We can start fixing this if we, the people, you and I, as U.S. Marines, raised our right hands and took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Okay? And it went on from there. That oath wasn't to a, a prince or a potentate or a political party or a politician or a president. It was to our Constitution. If we remember that between now and November 8th and we turn out at the polls, we can start fixing this problem. Okay, and we've got a big problem. The big problem is there's not enough real leadership in Washington in any department, agency, at the White House, or anywhere else, quite frankly. It's not sufficient numbers in Congress. And what we need are patriots to show up at the polls and insist on integrity in the office. All the criticism that's coming down on the FBI right now, much of it deserved. But in fact, I know, and you know, a lot of really good FBI agents, brave guys and gals who go out there and they protect our country. And they were the ones that protected my wife and kids when terrorists were sent to our house in Great Falls to kill them. Okay, And so Jake Cruz, who is the centerpiece of this book, is a real FBI agent. Actually, he's four FBI agents. And as you and I both know in a novel, if you take enough time to carefully change the dates, times, places, names of things, you can call what factual things happen a fiction. OK, that's what this book is. And what you're looking at in this book is the giant awakening. I, I want to quote the, to you the actual quote right at the front end of it, because here it is. The giant will awaken. I'm warning you well. Napoleon Bonaparte. OK, in the 1800s, Bonaparte was carefully looking at the global threat to his French empire. And the reality of it is we don't have Americans in the, in the State Department, the Pentagon, the intelligence agencies looking at what really, we really need to be doing to protect our country. So this book is a warning call. It's a shout out to people who are brave men like Jake Cruz, the protagonist in this, and Peter Newman, who's been part of all of my novels. Those are the kinds of people we need in high levels of office today. And every time you hear the FBI being here, one of them sent me a little a coffee cup because I broke mine. The coffee cup that was given to me right after the, the terrorists came to our house and got arrested, got dragged away, and then freed by a federal judge so that they could still wander around and escape the country. Well, they gave me a coffee mug. I see that the assassins have failed again, sir. <laughs> now, that was from an FBI agent who was one of the, one of the characters that Jake Cruz is in this book. And I, I look at those kinds of warning signals that are coming out of this administration the warning signal of exactly a year ago in Afghanistan, the kinds of hearings that are, that are taking place right now. That, look, you and I served together in combat as, as four war correspondents for Fox News Channel, all right? And bravely so. By the way, for those who don't know it, 
Greg Kelly was actually wounded covering that war. And, and, and you never got to go back and fly the AV-8, did you? In the, aftermath, in the aftermath of covering that war, okay, we showed how good we really were. That, that part of it was in Iraq. I'd already been to Afghanistan several times by then. Yeah. We won Afghanistan, and then we lost it. And we lost it because, of, let's call it what it is, it's, af- it's after hours, piss poor performance and planning on the part of the people in the five-sided wastebasket. Well, okay? And then a president who orders, in spite of the advice given, not, they said, don't give up Bagram. We've got to keep Bagram. Right. Well, they didn't. And unfortunately, that meant that we were going to lose $84 billion worth of equipment and the lives, the only Americans that were killed from the time of the election, okay, in, in, in 2020, Colonel. from the time of the election to the evacuation with the 13 Marines and sail, the Navy corpsman and the soldier. That was it. Here's my solution. I want you back in government. I know you tried in 1994. I think some, anything can happen in politics or elsewhere, possibly an appointed position. I'd love to see it. But, Colonel North, let's do this more often. Thank you again, sir. God bless you. By the way, the Secret Service cannot protect me from Betsy. Semper <laughs> Fi Marine. Mrs. North. Semper Fi, indeed. We'll be right back. Thank you.